Welcome to First Up. It is Ra Mere. That's Friday the 10th of June. Coming up, we will hear from one half of the Black Ferns' latest sister act. That's ahead of their clash with Canada on Sunday in Waitakere. The battle of the phone charger has finally been won. We will hear how a judgment in Europe will soon affect your charging experience hopefully for the better, and wild weather continues to batter the country this morning, uh, continuing yesterday's onslaught of floods, snow, lightning, and even tornadoes. You couldn't hear it coming, but when it arrived, it was just whoosh. There's uh, Norfolk Pine, that sort of one splintered itself, the other one snapped in half and went down through the roof. So yeah, she was a bit freaky. Atamaria, welcome to First Up. I'm Nathan Rarade and good, good, good bit of weather overnight, isn't it? We will uh, before we get to six o'clock. We're going to have uh, Philip Duncan on the show just to uh, get through what the weather's going to be this weekend. But just sending out some uh, best wishes to those of you on the west coast who currently are in the middle of getting bashed by it. So uh, yeah, we'll uh, uh, fingers crossed for you guys, and we'll have Philip with us before we hit six. But we begin this morning in the United States of America, where the January 6th committee is to hold its first primetime hearing in the pursuit of the truth behind the insurrection after Donald Trump's loss in the 2020 presidential election. Joining me now from New York is our correspondent, Bevan Hurley. Morena, Bevan. Kia ora, Nathan. Hey, uh, what's expected from this hearing? So, in just under seven hours' time at 8pm Eastern Standard Time, um, we're going to see um, the January 6th committee, which has been investigating this insurrection for nearly a year now, present the evidence that it has quietly um, been accruing. Um, It's going to try to show a narrative of a months-long conspiracy to subvert the peaceful transfer of power and attempts to overthrow Joe Biden's legitimate election victory by Donald Trump and his allies. Um, We have a reasonably good idea of what a lot of the evidence will show, um, but lawmakers on the committee have promised that they have a few bombshell revelations up their sleeve and have claimed that the hearings could change history. Um, Among the confirmed witnesses for tonight's hearing are a U.S. Capitol Police officer who suffered a serious brain injury while trying to fight off rioters who were storming the Capitol. We'll also hear from a filmmaker who was embedded with the far-right militia group, the Proud Boys, who were so instrumental in um, causing a lot of the violence that we saw on the day. Plus, a senior aide to Mike Pence, the former vice president, is going to testify. And we're likely to see videotape testimony from the likes of Ivanka Trump as well. Um, now, this is going to get huge airtime here. Most of the major TV networks and cable news stations are going to be airing it in full, with Fox News being the only outlier. <laughs> um, the question <laughs> the question that the committee members are really grappling with is how to make this relevant um, to the public more than a year later when so many Americans have just decided they don't care about it. Yeah, I can just imagine Fox will be running an article as like, is it true that Biden is going to raise the price of iced tea or something? That's what they're going to go with. I'm just wondering if, if I just saw a development very uh, recently, it was when I woke up, um, a former candidate for the governor of Michigan has been charged in relation to the Capitol insurrection. Is This is all part of this, is it? Or is this a, a, a different sort of arrest? No, it's still the the Department of Justice uh, investigation, which is separate to the January 6th committee work, is ongoing. And it's the last 
largest FBI uh, investigation ever. You know, this this is bigger than September 11. It's bigger than anything. Um, and so I think we've seen at last count more than 600 people charged. And just because of the size of it, we're still getting these um, people being charged right up to this day. So, yeah, Ryan Kelly, uh, a, a Republican candidate for governor in Michigan, Michigan has been charged with misdemeanors on, on this very day. Amazing. Um, gun control is, has been high on the agenda since the Avaldi school massacre. I know that Jacinda Ardern um, was was held up as a you know a very good timing for Joe Biden to speak to about this. What's the latest movements on on gun control out of Washington? Yeah, so we have been hearing chilling testimony from survivors, uh, victims' family, and medical staff who were caught up in the Uvalde school massacre. They've been providing testimony to the House uh, Oversight Committee, who is uh, meeting to decide what to do about this ongoing um, epidemic of of mass shootings and gun violence. Now, this um, uh, testimony included a videotaped a message from 11-year-old Mia Cerillo, who described how she hid behind a desk and covered herself in a classmate's blood as the gunman was stalking her classroom. She also um, used a phone uh, belonging to a fatally injured teacher to call 911 as this was all going on. So just extraordinary stuff. Um, we heard from a pediatrician who had to treat some of the survivors and indeed some of the deceased and you know, the, the injuries um, on a nine or 10 year old from a, from an AR-15 are just unspeakable, but he, he did uh, describe them in some detail. Um, so last night we saw the House passing a sweeping gun reform package that would raise the age limit for buying semi-automatic rifles from 18 to 21 and also ban high-capacity magazines. But that bill has almost no chance of passing the Senate. Um, Their bipartisan group of senators have also been discussing gun control measures and are only really contemplating very uh, modest uh, legislation. So, you know, it's it seems we're still stuck in that gridlock, Nathan. Yeah. Um, and, and finally, there's something that journalists love. This is almost like, uh, let's let's tell the audience, this is like the black belt of interviews when a journalist goes, I sat down with, because sit down with, that's, you know, that's the highest grade you can get to there as well. Uh, Prime Minister, uh, sorry, President Joe Biden has had his first sit down with interview in months, but it's someone that um, I don't think we would have thought he would have chosen, Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel secured the first sit-down interview since February 10. Yeah, quite quite the um, interesting choice. I mean, not just the fact that it's been almost four months since we've seen one of these actual, you know, proper um, back-and-forth interviews, but also the fact he's doing it on a late-night comedy show. Um, if he'd been hoping for a relatively easy ride, he didn't really get it. Um, Kimmel pressed him on the lack of action on gun control and called on him to use executive power to pass legislation immediately. Um, Biden said that he didn't want to go down that route. He, he thought that it was counterproductive and um, blamed the NRL, NRA and Republicans for, for the lack of progress. So there you go. As long as they sat down, that's all. I've just done, <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, I've just had a sit-down talk with Bevan Hurley. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers, mate. It is at 12 past five. Let's move to Africa now. Oh, horrible news here. More than 200,000 people facing starvation in Somalia as drought hits there. And also the King of Belgium has visited a former colony and addressed its colonial past. Joining me now from Ghana is our correspondent, Nabil Ahmed. Morena, Nabil. Hello, Nathan. Can we begin in Nigeria there? There's been an attack on a church. How many have been killed? 
Well, Nathan, we are learning that at least 50 people have died in Nigeria as a result of an attack on a Catholic church last Sunday. Now, according to police, uh, the gunmen approached a church during a service and started shooting from outside the church, while others also shot directly into the church. Now, uh, we are learning also that many of those who died were children. And this particular incident has raised uh, a lot of outrage in Nigeria because the country is actually preparing for elections and political parties are trying to get their flag bearer for next year's election. For this to happen, the president has actually um, made a statement condemning the attack and we understand that investigations are still ongoing to really find out who were behind this particular attack, uh, Nathan. Yeah, it's it's horrible news, and also too. I mean, this is this is so shocking when I when I read these sorts of headlines. Nabil, two hundred thousand face starvation in Somalia. What what's the the cause of this latest crisis? Well, this latest crisis, according to the United Nations, is basically as a result of severe drought in Somalia, coupled with the um, supply um, cut in supply of grain from uh, due to the Russia Ukraine crisis. Um, food prices have skyrocketed and it's raised a big issue in Somalia at the moment as they also face severe drought. They are not able to grow food to feed themselves. And the UN is saying that some 7.1 million Somalis, that is even nearly half of the population, face acute levels of food insecurity. So it's really a worrying situation in that part of Africa, Nathan. Mm. Uh, the, the, the King of Belgium's made an interesting trip there to the Democratic Republic of Congo um, and directly addressing the country's colonial past. Tell us about that, Nabil. Yes, uh, Belgium's King, uh, Philippe, is in uh, DR Congo uh, for a week-long visit. And indeed, he addressed the country's parliament where he denounced the racism that was carried out in, in the country under the colonial rule of his ancestors. Now, his visit is seen as some form of preparation because uh, when he went there, we understand that he has handed back a mark, mark uh, that was taken from the country some, during the colonial era. He's returned it back to the country. And that mark is actually one of about 84,000 artifacts that were taken during the colonial era when Belgium, uh, I mean, w- uh, was uh, um, colonizing the uh, DR Congo. And uh, a lot of talks are ongoing as to how to really um, move on from the past and also build good relationship um, with uh, Belgium. Yeah, they've got a pretty horrible history. Um, but look, let's end on a happy note after some sad things there, Nabil, because I know you love this. Let's have our weekly African football report. And there's been a life ban for a South African club. And also, there is a club called the Shivulani Dangerous Tigers. I love that. Tell us, tell us about it, Nabil. Well, this particular ban has to do with match fixing um, in South Africa, and it's something that has raised a lot of eyebrows. Just picture this, 59 goals scored in just a game, and out of that, 41 were own goals. (laughs) 41 own goals? There might be match fixing, I'm not sure. 41 own goals, possibly. (laughs) Exactly. So the ban is as a result of match fixing, and the authorities, they are trying to really do all they can to stop this particular practice. We understand that from education is ongoing and workshop is ongoing for coaches and officials and referees to stop match fixing. And they are saying it's very dangerous for football in South Africa because a lot of the people involved are young. And if they will take up match fixing, uh, it will not be good for them when they grow. So... 
a lot of banks are ongoing and we hope that maybe this would put a stop to match fixing in South Africa. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you very much, Nabil. Uh, just to, to organise, uh, just to <laughs> for you, have a look at these scores, everybody. The Tigers beat the Kotoko Happy Boys 33-1 in late May. And then uh, Matiasi, uh, they've improved on their 59-1 victory over the third place Nasami Mighty Birds. And of course, that was the one with 41 own goals. There you are, football. Sorry, alleged match fixing. There I go. Might have just been accident. Could have been windy. You don't know. Uh, maybe maybe the both goalies they couldn't tell them apart. Same shirts. Who knows? You're listening to First Up on RNZ National with me, Nathan Radder here for your Friday. So, a uh, couple of things I want to hear from you about. First off, give us a weather check. Uh, let us know if you need anything. I saw some uh, footage there of Wellington with it flowing down. Woo! Also, what are you what are your pipes like today? What, what's this kind of deal going on? Was your flooding handled well? Uh, does things get a little stinky after the rain? Let us know about that one. <coughs> Three waters. And also, do you have a box or a drawer just full of old? Cor- that you keep just in case are you one of those um, or are you perhaps partnered up with one of those and you're like can you just throw them out they're like no I might need this cable let us know 2101 or email first up at rnz.co.nz well rugby wise the Black Ferns take on Canada in their second game of the Pacific Four Series in Waitakere on Sunday afternoon both sides began the series with wins in terrible conditions in Tauranga there on Queen's Birthday Monday New Zealand coming from behind to beat Australia and then Canada outclassing the United States. Uh, The win over the Wallaroos marked the milestone for Alana and Chelsea Bremner, who became the fifth pair of sisters to play a test for New Zealand. 24-year-old Alana has captained Canterbury for two years and 27-year-old Chelsea is yet to taste defeat in 35 games for the province. Rugby reporter Joe Porter caught up with Alana to find out, you know, a little uh, more about, about the one half of the Black Ferns' current sister act, and started by asking her, "What would she be if she wasn't a rugby player?" I've been thinking I'm quite keen to get into like photography or videography, something like that, or I can travel the world. Yeah, probably something like that. Very cool. And outside of rugby, what would be your favourite sport to watch and to play? Oh, to play, I've actually really enjoyed getting into a bit of golf recently on our days off. Um, nice. I find that's a really good way to reset and takes a lot of patience there. <laughs> but yeah, good nice. to get away from. Um, it's a nice change from rugby. But generally, I just I just enjoy watching all sports. It doesn't really matter what it is. Um, yeah, into kind of most things. But yeah, rugby, definitely watch watch more rugby than anything else. <laughs> Beach or river or lake? Oh, I'm gonna have to say lake. Yeah, lake being more like Rotanifer. That's our family vacation. So, oh yeah, I love going down to Twizel in the summer, getting out on the boat. That's our family home, so that's a pretty special place place to go. Um, yeah, special place for us. And do you have a favourite film or TV series outside of sport? Mm, I do enjoy Netflix, so I don't have a favourite, but yeah, I definitely. Yellowstone was my most recent binge watch on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite food and which country you'd most like to visit? Favourite food would have to be, I love butter chicken and, an, and a cheese and garlic naan. <laughs> and <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, country I'd like to visit. I would really love to go to Greece. That's um, yeah, somewhere I'd love to go. And if you could choose to be a professional athlete, excuse me, that's the wheelbarrow falling over in the wind in my backyard. <laughs> if you could choose to be a pro athlete in any other sport other than rugby, what do you think you would choose? It's a good question. Maybe I reckon basketball would be pretty cool. 
I think that would be pretty cool too. Yeah. Because I'm five, five foot seven and it might mean that I was a little bit taller, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, I might be a bit taller for that. <laughs> Blake Fern, Alana Bremner answering the hard questions there from Joe Porter. Um, I can never answer those. For more on the sport front soon, Lena Powell will be with us in around about 15 minutes from now. Twenty-one past five. I'm Nathan Rarere. You are listening to First Up on RNZ National. Coming up, stormy weather battering parts of New Zealand. Philip Duncan from Weather Watch is here before six, and we'll look at what's coming up in the weekend of sport. It's time now to sit down with the Minister of Fruit and Veggies and talk about fruit and veggies, which is lucky. It's Glenn Forsyth who's with us. Morena, Minister, how are you? Yeah, Morena, Nathan. Good buddy, yourself? I'm pretty good. Watermelons, though. They're making big news this week. They're pretty high price. Should we be surprised at the high cost of our season, you know, our seasonal yeah, produce? They should be talking about avocados now, you know. I mean, that price is through the floor. But yeah, couldn't believe the $100 watermelon made international news, but that's how expensive, heavy air freighter produce can get out of Australia in winter, $10 a kilo. I did some snooping around and, and found the same watermelon for $6 a kilo at Jack Lum's, 40% less. Now, his philosophy is that if something is extra expensive at the market, he's happy to cover his costs for his customers rather than put on that blanket percentage markup which then led us into the three S's rule with produce, shop around, specials, and seasonal. Jack is brilliant, an extraordinary retailer. Quality just oozes out of that store. I won't give away his age, but let's say he's been through nearly 65 seasons of watermelon since leaving school, fit as a buck rat, and looks in his 50s. He went on to inform me that sea freight watermelon will be arriving soon, which means a little less on freight costs. So when you do shop around, you get to talk with these experienced owners and get, that, and get the bully straight from the horse's mouth. I mean, Aucklanders are lucky. You have lots of choices, but some other legends throughout the country include the Fresh Market in Tauranga, Tea Market Fresh in Palmy, Pommy Lion and Moore Wilson's in Wally, Collins in Nelson, and Growers Direct in Veggie Land in, in Christchurch. So yeah, get, get out and amongst it and have a look what's out there. A uh, lot of wild weather hitting New Zealand. Queenstown's also been, uh, Queensland, sorry, uh, has been smashed with, with floods. So is that behind the, the high cost of the leafy greens over there? What, what about here in, in Aotearoa? Oh, for sure. The news out of Australia for vegetables just keeps getting worse. Queensland got absolutely smashed with those floods, and now some burger bars are serving cabbage in their burgers rather than lettuce. We're not Australia, but it's worth mentioning this, as these horrific weather events are happening more often, and we have to be ahead of the game ourselves in regards to food security and keeping enough of our own productive land in this long, skinny, blessed country that we have for our own well-being. Anyhow, that all being said, we are this weekend. How are we this weekend for fresh veggies? Heavy rain here for us is starting to affect supply and quality of our lettuce and spinach also. However, broccoli, cabbage and cauliflower are standing up to it all for the time being and all readily available. And, and you know, some more seasonal options are leeks, parsnips, carrots, Taylor Farm salad greens range in bags and mushrooms. Also, don't forget kumara, pumpkin or loose tomatoes. We chose tomatoes as lots of growers pull out crops this month to replant. So a brief window at the beginning of winter to take advantage of that. A uh, bit of listener feedback. Um, oranges, where are they gone? 
Yeah, we've got the lowdown on the lack of oranges currently. We are right in between seasons, and that is the end of USA and the beginning of Australian. Importers here stopped USA a ship or two early as transit times became way too unreliable, and Murphy's Law, the Aussie product, was slow to get out of there on their boats. In fact, one banner group have Australian neighbours on promotion next week, and I dare say the orange shelves will be empty on Monday. Um, and to complete the grim situation, our New Zealand navels are still two to three weeks away. So I guess for your citrus buzz next week, we luckily have mandarins. Other fruit and goods supply are avocados. Hard to believe, but we still have old season avocados for sale, and it's now June. If you see any shiny green fruit, they are new season ones. Kiwi fruit are plenty from the Bay of Plenty, and lemons, limes, and a sprinkling of tamarillos and passion fruit were at the markets as well. Uh, do we have time for fruit of the week to finish? Hey, Glenn, Glenn. <laughs> Hi, Glenn. What is your fruit of the week? It's persimmons. Ah. <laughs> That's right. We picked persimmons today as their flavour this season has been pleasing. They're getting more popular here by the year. Great source of vitamins A and C. And to be fair, we grow a pretty good one. Also, we have about a week to go on lower pricing before the cool store product gets released and prices will lift. So we have a month to go before they finish. So get into them. Beautiful. There he is, the Minister of Fruit and Veggies. Um, deposit on a house? Buy a watermelon. One of the two. It, it really depends, doesn't it? Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. This is the day of our life we call the 10th of June. Celebrity birthday a thon. What about this? Gina Gershon turns 60 years old today. Elizabeth Hurley turns 57 and Kate Upton is 30. Here we go. Also born on this day. In 1928, I've got a theory about this guy's books. Uh, Morris Sendak, the guy who wrote Where the Wild Things Are. And I always, um, I always kind of figure if you've got the kid there with you know the wild things around it, it's not a well-behaved kid. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, an invention came out on this day in 1902 and people went, what? what? Oh, so I don't even have to write the address on the outside anymore. And A.F. Callahan said, no, not with my new envelopes with windows. Not the software, obviously. Uh, 1902, that came out today, your first envelope with a window in it. Also released in 1983, bit of uh, arts and culture news for you. Octopussy uh, was the 13th in the James Bond series. That was a, a Roger Moore one there as well. Partly shot on location in the Indian city of Udaipur. Apparently the movie has played ad nauseum in cafes and bars to this day. But look, 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 we were on it. And on this day in 2007, just in an... Did you find this really annoying? The end of The Sopranos. And we even had an argument about it before, about what happened in it. HBO series The Sopranos came to an end on this day in 2007. Some people thought that the cut-to-black ending was clever, while others hated the way it left things up in the air. I hated things about it too. But anyway, uh, 2101, uh, let us know what side you're on with that one if you would like to be a part of it. And that is this day of our life, the 10th of June. Yes, What you're trying to say, you're trying to say, let's get down to business. It's business time. It's business. It's business time. Which means it's time. Oh, to judge, speak to Giles. That's what going to say. It's written here, Anand Zakin going, that's not, um, someone's onto it in there. Um, I was going, that's that's the Giles music. This is great. It's like pro wrestlers walking to the ring. It's like, this, that's Giles Backford's music. You should see my spangly leotard, Jason Moreno. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'll rip your throat out. You get my name wrong again. That's the way we should do the business report as a wrestling promo one day. That'd be great. Uh, tell us, <laughs> local house builders. Though, this is interesting. So there's been the, the stockpiling of jib, and they're going nah. What local house builders importing plasterboard? It, it is. Uh, it's a one quite large. Uh, Development. It's uh, Simplicity Housing, which is linked to the KiwiSaver uh, provider Simplicity. It's a not-for-profit, uh, so this is social housing. They've basically dumped uh, Fletcher Building, said, yeah, your product's too slow getting here. Well, assuming we can get any, actually. It's too expensive. They've started bringing in container falls from Thailand. Oh. Uh, and the price is... About 40% cheaper, and they get it here within eight weeks of ordering. So uh, that's their uh, two fingers to Fletcher building. Um, Sam Stubbs, who I spoke to yesterday uh, about this, he said, look, Fletcher building, they knew quite a while ago that there was going to be a squeeze, right? And if they didn't, then they shouldn't be in business. But, of course, with Fletcher building have, having about 96% of the local market, um, you know, they... They're just creaming it. Um, and you know, there are some people saying that they've been playing favourites, particularly with their own building developments. But this is a, an outfit that is uh, taking action into their, or taking the issue into their own hands. Um, and they're willing to share their secrets to say, look, you, know, you want to know the details of being able to get the foreign product in. They've had to ask for a, a slight change to the building code to make sure that the jib board that they're importing is uh, code compliant but they say it is it's just that the councils can sometimes be a bit short-sighted and long in the tooth about these things so mm. yeah there's uh, there's you know, one finger straight in the face of Fletcher building from simplicity interesting to see whether it catches on yeah, yeah. Well, I know there's a couple of alternatives out there. Jip Rock is one of them, and Elephant Board's the other one, which I think is the other Kiwi made one. So these, they're out there. You're going to stockpile it. That's fine. We'll go elsewhere, voting yeah. with our feet. Think- we should, we should probably just uh, for the sake of balance, uh, Fletcher Building says, well, look, we're going as fast as we can, 24/7 production, bringing it in from Australia when we can. Um, we're not too worried about uh, rival imports, but you know, I mean, <laughs> it, it's that hand that corporate shrug that uh, you know, yeah. yeah well we're doing what we doing can, what we can yeah. i mean stop pointing fingers at us yeah then stop pointing at that big pile we've got over there under that tarp. tarp yeah thank you very much giles beckford in the the spangly leotard you can hear more from the business team on morning report at 10 to 7 i would love that to sound like the macho man one day that'd be great uh, let's switch to arts. Wairoa artist Joanna Joseph has been painting canvases inspired by her daily surfing trips to Mahia Peninsula. You can see her latest works in a solo exhibition at uh, Turanganui Akiwa, Gisborne, over the next two weeks at Paul Nash. I asked her if her paintings are those same giant-sized ones as she exhibited last year. Yes, it is, Nathan. Um, th- there's a number of them this time. Last time I did one giant seascape, and, and now there's... There's several. Beautiful. So tell me, the, the inspiration for them, What because what, I did have a look at some and I thought they looked a little bit familiar to my mahi herself. So, so tell, me, tell me about the inspiration behind them. Okay, so they are inspired by the Mahia Peninsula and that is where I, I go longboarding on most days of the week and sometimes in the weekend as well. Though I generally like to keep away from the crowds. So um, they're inspired when I drive out there. I'm sort of in the land and the sky and the sea. And, and this time round, as opposed to last time round, 
they're more f- a view from the sea. Like it's it's to do with with being out in the surf and looking back at the land. Right. Yeah. I, there was one I saw. I thought, oh, I, I know that surf break. I know the one you've yeah. done that there. You know, this this has been an interesting journey. I know last time when we spoke uh, with you about about your big giant artwork, we were talking about you know processing your husband's death. When yeah. you look at the and when you look at the artwork from there, and you look at the ones you're doing now, do you see change in them both? That's maybe reflecting you know how how you are now. Yes, that's a. Good question. So the difference being is that I'm I just it's more my love of of being out there and appreciation. So I've got this this grand appreciation of everything that's I've kind of processed things and that's where I am at the moment. So I think that comes out of my work and it, 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 there's more there's more angles and sweeps and and I'm also really enjoying my longboarding now and and, and particularly. Um, the takeoffs on the wave, and and and, and I think mm. that comes through in the work as well. Yeah, it's, they're so dynamic. They're, they're beautiful. People get to see them at Paul Nash uh, upstairs there in Grey Street there in, in Gisborne. But I understand. I heard a little bird told me there's a bit of a treat because I understand there is a musical uh, guest called Joanna Joseph who's performing at this. Uh, <laughs> tell tell me about this. You you do it. You're taking care of the visuals and the sound. Yeah, that's right. I thought after a show, people like to move on to to other things, you know. And so I thought, well, I'm in this band called Hydra, and we're, we're a five piece that comes from 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 Wairua. And um, the guys at Smash Palace, they love us to play there because it's something a bit different. So um, yeah, we're 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 playing after the gig, so we're continuing to entertain. Oh, beautiful! So I was because I was wondering if it's like you know when people go to wine and cheese evenings and they pair wine with cheese. I was thinking, like, what music do you pair with your artwork? Will, will you take any of the artwork with you to, to Smash Palace as well? Uh, well, just the energy from the artwork will, will, will definitely go to Smash, Smash, Smash Palace because our, our music is upbeat and how I play, like, the rawness of, I, I guess, of how, how I paint cut comes out and how I drum. It's very physical for, for a starter. Okay, so Joanna, it starts tonight, but how long uh, have people got to go and have a look at it? Okay, so it's on till the 25th of June. It's Joanna Joseph's band Hydra, uh, who you can see at the after party at Smash Palace in Gisborne. One of the funnest little little places, I should say, uh, down that side of the island. Thank you very much. That's going to be after the exhibition opening at Paul Nash, upstairs at 89 Grey Street. And to tell you what you need to know, it's Leonard Powell, kia ora sir. Morena, how are we going? I'm really good, man, really good. I, I heard, I'm not Barry, it's a Barry guy, fans out there, it's Leonard Powell, I'm sorry. <laughs> He'll be back next week. He'll be back now, he's, yeah. he's just catching up on watching Winning Time, he's just watching it all again. What a series that was, such a good one, it's one of the best of the year. What do you got for us, man? Um, well, should we start with Live Golf, Nathan, we were just chatting yes. about Yes, so this yeah. is the new breakaway golf tournament that's what, sponsored by the Saudi government, the Saudi causing government. a lot of, lot yeah. of anger. First tournament's just kicked off, or teed off in London overnight, and mm. a lot of big names, or Guys are kind of starting to get washed up. People are calling it the divorcees and debts tour because it's people who need big money and might not have that. Because Phil Nicholson, he Mickelson, sorry, he actually came out and did the whole. I just owe a lot of money to gambling debts. Yeah, he did, and he's um, there's actually an unauthorized biography that's just come out called Phil, 
and um, about it where Alan, Ship- Alan Shipnuck's written. But there's yeah, there's heaps going on with Phil. But Dustin Johnson's there playing. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed just announced they're going to play. And those are the big names. Yeah, like some of the big names. There's a bit of a divide. McElroy, Rory McElroy, Justin Thomas, Tiger Woods, they've all said they're not going. Yeah. Brooks Kepka's brother is there. So they've kind of got like the diet Brooks Kepka. <laughs> um, but he's ranked like a 1,000 in the world. It's a bit of a shambles. Yeah. Greg Norman's at the helm. Uh, right. running it and there's just huge amounts of money billions of dollars getting thrown at these players to go so but if the PGA still have Tiger and they still have the Masters they still have all the eyes right well the Masters is an interesting one that's not the PGA Tour oh. the PGA Tour has announced they're banning these players which is going to be a huge legal shambles in the first place but the Masters haven't made their stance clear about it just side note Phil Mickelson turned up on the first tee today wearing a Masters vest oh. just kind of a weird flex it's it's like him saying that they're not going to ban him in a way. Yeah. But um, they might choose to ban some of the people playing who they don't like that much. Yeah. Potentially. So, I don't know. It could be case by case. But oh we'll, uh, we'll monitor the situation. I can't believe golf is doing something for money. Ah, uh, yeah. That's it's, horrible. Yeah, no. Who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought? Uh, Super Rugby semis this weekend? Yeah. We got the um, alphabetical order, Crusaders Chiefs and the Blues Brumbies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, So yeah. the Cs and the Bs. But, yeah, um, yeah. yeah Crusaders Chiefs tonight in, in Christchurch yes. at their stadium. That there's a lot of a lot of news about, and the Blues Brumbies um, in Auckland on Saturday. I've got the Blues 2003 starting 15 from the final here. Yes. Do you want to name the backline if you can off uh, the top? Or do you want me to just run through some of these great names? I'm gonna I'm gonna go Mills. I'm gonna go yep. Doug Howlett. I'm yes. gonna go Rupini. He's not there. He, Was Rupini not playing on the wing? Oh, and Joe Rocks. I don't, if you can get the other wing, I'll, wing, I'll be impressed. Uh, Rico Gear. Oh, yeah. Okay, no, I don't know. So, but there's some great names here. Captain by Xavier Rush, yeah. um, Carlos right. Spencer, of course. But this was the last time. Well, actually, the Blues won Super Rugby last year, but it didn't. This was the when it was. You oh, know, people move quickly to go. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, no, oh, the Blues the 14 straight wins, and they're lined up. That was a final against the Crusaders, and sort of what I'm going for here is it could be another one. Another could be another one of those. That's my prediction. Mm. If we're taking those, I remember that final. I was sitting on the sideline with a uh, with a colleague from Christchurch who was very into it at the start because the Crusaders were winning, and he was really giving it to us. And I'm like, dude, I'm a Hurricanes fan, and um, we thought he was just joking. And then once the Blues winning, we turned around to give it back to him, and he stormed off. <laughs> ah. Love Left. That. He didn't even stay for the end of the game. Ah, there you go. Yeah, nothing's changed, I suppose. <laughs> um, Roger Federer, I just want a quick shout oh, out. very quickly, yes, yes. Out of Wimbledon, uh, first oh. time since he debuted in 1999, and Sampras played Agassiz in the final that year for some more throwback <laughs> names. But, there yeah. you go. Thank you, very, thank you very much. That's all that's happening in your sport this weekend. Yeah, between now and six here at First Up on RNZ National, we're going to talk about phone cords. We're also going to talk about the weather. The professionals of RNZ are the morning report team. It is Corin Dan who's here with us to tell us what's up after six. Kia ora, Corin. Kia ora, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Well, we will we will start with the weather because uh, it has been another wild old night in mm. Wellington. Boy, really windy. I mean, I'd say that as a hardened Wellingtonian from Christchurch. I, I, I saw add. some footage of it. It looked like near Plymouth Steps or something like that with just water just cascading down like a river. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it has been pretty wild, and there's of course big swells too, which are forecast for the west coast up the Kapiti coast. So we'll check in uh, with all the official people who are well on top of all of that. There has been, uh, you know, there have been roofs affected and trampolines flying and all that sort of thing. But we'll see how bad it has turned out overnight, uh, and what is still to come with the Met Service. We'll check in on the Prime Minister's visit to Australia. What we can expect from the official meeting today. I think they had a dinner mm. last night, Albanese and Ardern. Uh, also checking on the truancy plans the government's got, uh, the Ukraine, and jib board too. Mm. We're getting very grumpy about the uh, difficulties getting hold of jib board. It's a, it's a, it's a big issue, that. Yeah, we haven't used ply in some of ours. Thank you very much, Corin. Uh, best luck for Crusaders Chiefs as well. Well, yeah. Look, in homes around New Zealand, there are drawers and boxes full of old device cables that don't fit. But we hang on to them just in case. And if you've ever thought that it could all be solved, like, why isn't there just one standardised charging cable? Well, hallelujah to you. It's about to come a reality here. Apple will be forced to change the connector on iPhones sold in Europe by 2024 after EU countries and lawmakers agreed to a single charging port for mobile phones, tablets and cameras. I talked with technology commentator Peter Griffin and asked if this move by the EU was big news in the tech world. Yeah, I think it is. It's sort of uh, symbolic, really, of of where the industry needs to go, which is more simplicity and uh, one cable to rule them all. And and that is increasingly the this USB-C connector, which if you have an Android phone, for instance, uh, from Samsung or Oppo or Huawei, they all have a USB-C connector. It's very simple to plug in, and you can reuse that cable to plug into lots of other devices. So the European Union has heard what consumers are asking for, has also looked at efforts to try and minimise electronic waste. Um, And they think by doing that, um, by having one charger, one type of cable connection for a whole raft of devices from phones to to e-readers to to laptops eventually as well, that will save hundreds of millions of euros for consumers and um, lead to less stuff being thrown out because you can reuse those cables and chargers from multiple devices. So this is based there in the EU. Do you know? Sorry to just chuck chuck this at you. Do you, do you know like what the uh, say what the split is of people that own iPhones as to compared to the Android based ones? Because I I'm just imagining the EU's gone with which one there's more of. Yeah, I think the split is similar in the EU to everywhere else in, in the world, which is that there's there's more Android devices overall um, by a factor of sort of four to one. Um, but the iPhone is one of the biggest, if not the biggest selling phone in the world. So, you know, 10 to 20% of all um, phones sold are iPhones. So they have a massive market share. And they have their own cable called the Lightning Connector, which is a proprietary cable they've developed themselves. It's been around for about 10 years. And their argument is we've got all of these customers who um, have phones that are a bit older that use these Lightning cables. We want to keep backward compatibility for those. Mm. Um, but the EU is saying, well, look, you, by, by splitting away from the rest of the industry, you are creating a need for people to have multiple cables and charging devices. That's not good for the environment. It's not good for consumer choice. Uh, so they're, they're going to force this on them. And for us here in New Zealand, I think um, it will mean that eventually the iPhone will move to USB-C because they won't 
create an iPhone for the EU and an iPhone for the rest of the world. The manufacturing is just too complicated for that. So I think it will force them to move down that track. But ultimately, where the industry is moving and where Apple may accelerate its move is towards wireless charging, where you buy a little uh, wireless induction pad and you put your devices on that and they charge wirelessly. Now, that hasn't really taken off yet. Um, It's a bit more complicated for consumers, but uh, this potentially could force Apple or encourage them to, to push ahead in that space. Actually, Peter, I bought one of those off AliExpress. It was like eight bucks, and I thought, oh, I wonder how this is going to go. They're amazing. You just—it was like magic. You know, I felt like I was when I put it on, and I saw my—I heard my phone do the little plum to say that it was charging. I thought, man, it's cool living in the future. Do you? Do you I mean, do, a- Apple's probably going to head that way, right? That's going to be quite an ego uh, thing for them if they have to change to be what the others are, isn't it? Yeah, they—they they won't like it, and. Partly that is control, and Apple is all about controlling its ecosystem, and it um, has this vast ecosystem of third-party devices that rely on this lightning connector, uh, and it makes a lot of money out of licensing that connector to all of these other companies that want to be in the Apple world. So there's a financial imperative there. They want the control, and they want the licensing revenue um, from that as well. So they'll be reluctant to to get rid of the lightning connector. And they also argue that this is bad for innovation. So if you're telling a company you can't have a certain type of connector, well, it's it's going to narrow the options in terms of what how they innovate and, and their research and development efforts. And I think there probably is some truth to that. But the reality is, is that the world has gathered around the best available cable at the moment, which is the USB-C. It does charging. It, it does fast data transfer. It's just good for consumers. So I think it's reasonable for the EU to sort of give some guidance about which cable they should be using. Earlier on in the show, I asked, are you one of those cord hoarders that this could affect? I'll read you those, uh, the feedback on that soon. And that was tech commentator Peter Griffin. This is not news to those of you who were in it, but yesterday saw flooding, snow, lightning, even tornadoes as the winter storm hit the country and it hasn't stopped overnight. In just a second we're going to speak with Philip Duncan from Weather Watch, but first there was widespread surface flooding in Wellington yesterday. Uh, James Holmes from Wellington Civil Defence Emergency Management Group says to prepare for more. We had significant flooding in and around Pairua. We've also had what appears to be two small tornadoes uh, on the Kapiti coast, which have caused some damage to a couple of houses, which are currently being assessed at the moment. Apart from that, the, the main impacts we've sort of really seen is just sort of some surface, sorry, some surface flooding from some of those um, heavy downpours. And, uh, and by all accounts, from what we've just received from the Met Service, we can expect more of the same going forward. And then we've also got some you know, rather large waves coming in overnight. So uh, I expect we're, we're going to have a, a busy sort of 20, 12, 24 hours. And, uh, well, yeah, we're just encouraging people to batten down the hatches for, uh, for what's to come. Meanwhile, down south, snow closed parts of the Milford Road overnight. Waka Kotahi are warning that travel to and from Pia Piotahi, Milford Sound, might not be possible this weekend. James Urquhart from Mount Hutt Ski Field says they only had a smattering of snow yesterday, but he expects today's snowstorm uh, to deliver the goods for the start of the ski season. Things have dramatically changed from Wednesday, obviously, to no snow and then uh, yesterday, Thursday, we got a sneaky little 10 centimetres of uh, 
new snow that came in from the northwest. But, uh, you know, obviously from this morning onwards, this is when the storm is really going to hit us. And we're going to be hit hard all the way through until sort of Sunday, easing back Monday. Now, it's anyone's guess from 20 to 30, 40 centimetres of snow. It's a probably a storm we haven't seen in 15 years from the northwest and a southerly front coming up at the same time. So, yeah, exciting times ahead for the uh, winter season in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that means it's time for us to speak to Philip Duncan from Weatherwatch. Kia ora, sir. How are you? Good morning. I'm very good, thank you. Okay, so lots of dynamic stuff yesterday. People just taking over Facebook with, look, look at my tree blown over. Uh, another wintry blast is, is what happens again today, Philip? Yeah, we've got um, a number of fronts coming through. So this storm in the Southern Ocean is deepening and getting worse. And it's just going to send through one front after the other, after the other, you know. So we're getting another one this morning with a burst of thunderstorms and squalls coming in off the Tasman Sea. And that's going to be, you know, coming into places like Waikato and Auckland as we go through this morning. And it's just gone through Wellington or is going through Wellington as we talk now. Uh, do, do you think when you have a look at this, it'll be worse than yesterday? Um, these under, no, I, I, it'll come through, each front will come through differently. They're all okay. unique, these fronts. And so they all do something slightly differently each time. And they're active, which means you can get these squalls and thunderstorms, but they don't always form in the exact same place each time. But it's got the potential for it. That's why it's serious. And there's more of these as we go through the next few days. Oh, okay, okay. So, uh, which is great for you to tell me that. So it comes in little bursts. I mean, again, I'm trying to ask you for exact maths, and we don't know exactly here, but is it something where, let's just say I've been hit with it, I'll have a couple of hours to get outside and maybe just clean out my guttering and that before it arrives again, or how does this generally work? Well, yeah, you will get these calm lulls, although, you know, going up on the roof and things, I'm always nervous about saying go up and do that during severe weather, but... But, yeah, we, we, there will be moments where it all calms down. The sun comes out and you're going, oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> but, but up the road, it could be, you know, much more severe. And then you'll get another burst of it coming in sort of 12 hours later. So it's, it's a multifaceted system. And it's, it's not really going to clear away until Wednesday of next week. To Wednesday? Yeah. Oh my goodness me. So in there, um, what, I know we had some tornado activity yesterday. Is it the sort of weather you can look at and think, you know, there's a high probability of those happening again? Yeah, you can usually see these fronts coming through, like the one that's coming in right now this morning on the western North Island. Very prominent. A lot of thunderstorms in it. You can look at the live rain radar. You can very clearly see it. Uh, rolling on through. So we'll be seeing more sort of of those systems coming in. The only saving grace for New Zealand is the shape of this storm, the shape of it. If it was a different shape, we would be having an Antarctic blast from the South Pole coming right on in. But instead, as the gentleman earlier just said, we've got a nor'wester and a southerly. It's a little bit different. Oh, Okay, well, that's good. Hey, um, Philip, thank you very much for your Weather Watch information. I want to ask you this, though, because I know you and I know you're a tech fellow. Do you still have a drawer in your house or perhaps a container, you know, with all sorts of cords and charger cables and connector things just in case? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how long, have you, how long have you had that and done that? I'll sort it out later. Um, several years, and it even comes now with a giant Tupperware, like, plastic thing, because it was getting so stupidly large. And so now it's in a, 
you know, confined space. <laughs> I've done that too. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank <man>. you. Very- <laughs> cheers, cheers, Philip. Thank you very much. I ask you that because we've had a lot of feedback in this morning. Sue uh, says, uh, Maureen and Nathan, we have the drawer of a thousand possibilities. Contents are varied and used daily. Best drawer ever. Uh, that's from Sue. Uh, and also, uh, someone says, I'm a cord hoarder. However, I justify my collection knowing there are at least once or twice a year that I will pull out a cord that someone in the house needs. Most recently, my partner's been blessed with cords to connect his speakers to his DJ equipment. He used to mock. Now he's a convert too. What about this one here? Uh, Kia ora, Nathan Morris. Sendak, my youngest daughter, now 50, had the Wild Things posters outside her bedroom door to keep the monsters out. Our persimmons are loved by the Kiriru, Tui and others uh, way before we got them. That is from Nolene. Thank you very much, everybody. Remember, you can download the First Up podcast. Yeah, it's just called First Up, the podcast. Have a hunt for that one. Have a happy weekend. Try and keep yourself dry or warm. Seems like a big weekend for soup. I don't know. Morning Report is next with Susie and Corin from all of us here at First Up. Have those wonderful days, and we'll be back in your ears on Monday. All the week long.